And uh, we as a church have so much going on. And in case you need some more action, we're going into a very important week for us as, as Riverside Community Church. And that is our annual week of prayer and fasting. And so there's this kind of overlap between us entering this week of prayer and fasting, kind of launching today. But it's also overlapping with the series that we've been doing up to now where the series has been called Sowing Seeds. And the big idea behind the series is, regardless of what your 2023 is going to look like, can you plant some seeds today that will guarantee that throughout the course of the year, you will enjoy and experience the life God has for you? Because that's what seeds are. Seeds are life potential. And so we're going to carry that idea through into this week of prayer and fasting as well, as we talk about today, planting seeds of dependence, which is what we're going to be doing this week in prayer, planting seeds of dependence that we trust throughout the course of the year, God will bring to fruition. But before we even dive into this, I just want to acknowledge how so many of you probably feel as we enter a week like this of prayer and fasting. And that is the gap between the theory of prayer and the practice of prayer. Or the ideals of prayer and the reality of prayer. Where the theory and the ideals are, oh, it's me and Jesus. It's me having communion and me having fellowship with God's presence, with His Spirit. I know His love. I know His presence. It's like me and God, Adam and Eve, walking in the garden. That's what it feels like to me. That's the theory. Those are the ideals. And then we get the practice of prayer, where so many of us, if we're honest, are. And so I want to acknowledge that as we go into a week and we're trying to get excited about prayer and fasting, some of us are bringing some prayer baggage into this week. And we struggle to pray because of our experience of prayer. And so maybe some of you, some of your baggage with prayer is the emotion of guilt. Because you know what the ideals are, you know what it should be, but you're like, I feel so guilty because there must be something wrong with me because I'm not experiencing that way. Or I'm not praying hard enough. Or I'm not praying often enough. Or I'm not praying with a pure enough heart. And so I bring guilt into my time of prayer. Maybe some of us bring the emotion of frustration once again, this is what I think prayer should be. This is what I want prayer should be, but it's so hard. And why does it too often feel like hard work? Why does it too often feel like I'm wading through some deep, muddy waters? And so I'm frustrated. Maybe some of us bring anger into our prayer life. God, I prayed. And as far as I am concerned, I did, I did everything right and I sought your face. But the job interview didn't go well. The business still fell apart and so I'm angry. Maybe some of us bring deep, painful disappointments. Once again, I prayed. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed every day. And yet the disease still won. 
the marriage still fell apart. Maybe some of us feel so alone in prayer. We talk about, oh, it's, it's just knowing the love of Jesus, knowing the fellowship and the friendship of God by His Spirit. But when I pray, it just feels like it's me. And in my head, I'm trying to kind of conjure up this feeling of fellowship. But once again, it feels like the ceiling is like brass. And maybe some of us just in prayer feel so forgotten, often because of comparison. Oh, well, you know, Steve, he seems to have it together. Or, you know, some of the other leaders or, or that author or that worship leader, she or he seems to have an incredible prayer life. And then I compare it to my prayer life. And so God must have blessed everybody else except for me. And so if you're feeling that way, I want to read you some quotes that maybe echo or give language to what you're feeling. These are very real people who are expressing some of these challenges around prayer. Here's one sentence. Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Here's another one. How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Why have you forsaken me? Oh Lord, please won't you send someone else to do it, whatever it is? Oh Lord, I feel like you've deceived me in the deepest way. Well, how about just, just no? Just let's be honest, no. That's my answer, God. That's my prayer to you, no. Or why are you silent when? Why are you silent in my struggle? Why are you silent in my hour of need? Or maybe you prayed, Lord, is there any other way? So who are these horrible people who have prayed these faithless prayers? Well, let's have a look. David, Jesus, Moses, Jeremiah, Habakkuk, and the list could go on and on and on. These are prayers recorded in Scripture. This is somehow the reality of some of the saints who have known God and seen God work in such tangible ways, but have yet have been through such challenge even in their space of prayer. And so the reason why I bring this up is because maybe if that is true of them, maybe my prayer life, I can start where I am at. Maybe I don't have to pretend to be full of faith when I'm not feeling full of faith. Maybe I don't have to pretend to conjure up a sense of God's presence when I feel like He's far from me, whether real or perceived. Maybe I can start where I'm at. And, and, if I look at the stories of David and, and Habakkuk, and of course, people like Jesus, and I look at how they experience the reality of God in their difficult places and how God met them as they were crying these things out from a real place of need, maybe that also gives me hope. Maybe I can pray. Maybe I can grow. Maybe my story can start to look something like one of their stories. And so as we start this week, 
I want to, us to start where we are at with the hope of how God can meet us, speak to us and grow us where we are at without condemnation and without all the guilt that can come with that. Sean spoke about how next week we're going to have our Vision Sunday and our DRM meeting after the service and how we're going to share a bit of what we believe God is saying to us as a leadership and as a church. And just to kind of start kind of getting the ground ready, we as a leadership are just feeling so profoundly upon our hearts how much we need God to do among us what only God can do. And listen, church, we can bring our best worship. We can bring our best sermons. We can bring our best ministries. We can bring our best coffee and our best brownies. But all of that amounts to nothing, literally nothing, unless we become so desperate for and so dependent upon what God does among us. Now listen, that has always been true. But man, oh man, I don't know about you, but as I look at the changing world, as I look at the challenges of our time and our age, as I look at the changes in just in the, the, the society around me, I'm becoming so increasingly desperate for God to move and for God to touch us in a very indescribable way. But it's not always so easy to be aware of that. And so here's a metaphor, it's not perfect, and I'll explain why in a second. But imagine you've been invited to this incredible event. And the purpose of the event is some movie star or some pop star or some rock star, some big name celebrity has been invited to the event and they're going to show up, they're going to speak, and you're going to meet and engage them. And so in order for that event to kind of just feel so exciting, man, we get the best food the best MC, the best music, the best clothes, the best vibe, the best invitations. And so everyone rocks up full of expectation and imagine the celebrity doesn't pitch up. At that point, what does it matter that the food was so amazing? What does it matter that the invitation was in Boston, spectacular? We were here for the celebrity. Now, here's why this is a bad analogy first and then why it's a good analogy. The bad analogy is Jesus said, regardless of how you and I feel about a Sunday or a personal prayer time, regardless of how we feel, Jesus promised us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So to use this metaphor, the celebrity is always there. But here's the problem. When we become dependent on the external peripheral stuff, sometimes we can do life and do ministry as if Jesus is not present and as if he is not the point. Does that make sense? And so man, oh man, I, I think that we as a church always need to bring our best. It's called stewardship. We need to be so passionate about bringing our fishes and our loaves and bringing them to Jesus. But we should never, ever, ever become dependents and feel like church was awesome or my time of prayer was awesome. Why? And then we start ticking off these external boxes. 
but rather can we just get a vision for man if we want to be the church that God wants us to be if we are to kind of grow into a full redemptive potential that will never be achieved by the best sermons the best worship the best kids ministry but only if God touches us and if somehow God is so kind to manifest His presence among us in a way that is undeniably all about Him. And so that's going to be our heartbeat as we go into this, this preach and we go into uh, the, the text for this morning and as, as we go into our prayers this coming week. We're going to be seeking God's face above all other things. We're going to be seeking God's presence above all other things. We're going to be sowing seeds of dependence, of desperation, just so thirsty and so hungry for the reality of God among us. And so to help us, we're going to turn to a prayer that was written for us in Scripture, and we're going to kind of make it our own. Uh, we're taking Psalm 46. So if you have your Bibles here with me, turn to Psalm 46. If you don't, we'll always have the words on the screen behind me. And we're going to talk just briefly and quickly through this psalm, starting at verse 1. Well, this is what it says. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way. And the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with them surging. God is our refuge. He is our ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear regardless of what happens. Every year, a couple of times a year, we discover that a mouse has gotten stuck into one of our appliances, most often our washing machine. And it chews on something. The one time it got fried by the wire it was choosing, uh, chewing on. A couple of times it chews through this rub. It's so irritating, so hard to get hold of this thing. But it always happens at least twice a year. Then we started to realize there's a bit of a pattern. And, and the, the big picture of the pattern was that this was always in winter. And so we realized, okay, well, maybe these little mice are getting cold outside and so they're looking for a warm place. And what better place than to be under something warm like a washing machine? But then we realized one step further, there was some more specificity to the timing. Some of you may know that uh, if you kind of jump over our back wall, you jump into some of the felts there opposite Ritflay. And so what happens to that felt in summer? It grows. And what happens in winter? Man, as you dive through uh, SWAT copies, you see what happens. Always these felt fires. And so every year we get these felt fires and we realize that these mouse or mice are always running into our house after the felt fires. Looking for a place of refuge in their little time of trouble only to make trouble for me. But the question is this, if God promises to us that He is our source of help, that He is our refuge, that He is, our, I love these words, our ever-present help in our time of trouble, how do we run to Him? 
And how do we experience Him and know Him as our help and as our refuge? And there's many ways to answer that question, but the one we're going to focus on today for this week is that we have to do that in prayer. We have to do that in prayer. I believe that's probably the most commonly prayed prayer on planet earth. Could be written down in four letters, H-E-L-P. Just help. Exam on Monday, help. Oh, doctor's exam, help. Oh, going through some marital struggles, help. Don't know what else to say, but help. And I think there's just something deeply ingrained inside of us and, and studies have been done on people who wouldn't consider themselves religious. Just how often they just go, help. If anyone's up there, help. Now, um, from time to time, I'll be engaged in some counseling. And the reason why someone is sitting there is because they've got to help. But what is sometimes my experience is, well, here is my need. Here is why I'm crying help. Okay, that's great. So now let's think about how we can respond to this. How about this? No, no, I don't think I, like, I want to do that. Okay. Well, how about trying things this way? Yeah, no, uh, I don't think I'm going to do that either. Okay, well, well, how about something else? Yeah, no, I don't think that's going to work. Whereas sometimes I've got someone sitting there and they're going, help, I will do anything. I will do whatever it takes. I will sacrifice to know God and, and experience Him as my refuge in my time of need. And so, yes, the help prayer is probably the most commonly prayed prayer ever. But what is our heart's posture when we're praying that? Are we just kind of throwing it out there? And I'm going to get on with my life and God may just sort it out? Or am I coming to Him saying, God, I will do anything. I will do whatever you say. And so for us as a church, I know that uh, us as individuals and families are going through some very difficult circumstances. And so I'm sure you're thinking about those right now. But for us as a church, we want to cry together, help. And God, we will do whatever you say. We want to run to you as our refuge in our time of need, as our ever-present help in our time of trouble. And we're going to seek your face. Help. I recently read this. I forget who said it. I just kind of wrote it down. But it says, without prayer, local churches are telling God, it's okay, we can handle things. Thank you. So that is why we want to spend some significant time together as a church taking our prayer of, of help and of need and really seeking God's face. Because we know that we can't handle things. Thank you very much. So those are, that's verse one to three. We know that we need God's help. Let's read verses four to seven. That says this. There is a river whose streams make you glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high dwells. God is within her. She will not fail. God will help her at break of day. 
Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fail. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And amongst many things, these verses help us know and understand we need God's presence. If we look at these verses, these ideas of this river, these streams making glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells, going to verse 7, the Lord Almighty is with us. Because here's the big idea, if we come to God seeking His help, the way He answers our prayers is by giving us Himself. I'll so often try to get us to understand, because I know I'm a slow learner on this, that God doesn't answer our prayers apart from His own presence. So often we think of God's like up there, I'm down here, I'm praying and I'm begging Him to help me in my time of need and I'm kind of waiting for some sort of divine Holy Spirit email into my heart and cool, thanks for the help God, now I know what to do. Whereas the way God answers that prayer is by giving us Himself. His own presence And the way He answers our prayer is expressed through His presence. By being with us. Let me give you two examples. One we've spoken on a number of times here at Riverside. The one is, man, how often do we pray for the peace of God? And some of you may even know, oh, when I pray for the peace of God, I'm going to go to Philippians chapter 4. And I'm going to bring my prayer and my petitions before God because Philippians 4 says, that the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. So God, won't you beam down some peace for me, please? How does he answer that prayer? Just go read on a few verses later where it says, and the God of peace will be with you. Are you getting the difference? It's like, hey, dad, I need some help, but just, well, won't you beam me down some bucks? as opposed to dad getting on a plane and coming in our situation. And when God does that, sometimes it means the situation doesn't change, but now I know at a heart level what my mind has always known, the promise of Jesus, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you in the fire. Sometimes it means my situation doesn't change. But to quote another psalm, even though I continue to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, these dark and dangerous circumstances, I will feel no evil. Why? Because you are with me. The presence of Jesus. Meeting us, our ever-present help in our time of trouble. Sometimes it means, listen, son, Listen, my friend, I'm doing something in you that is hard and I'm maturing you through these circumstances. And and I know that you're filled with doubt and I know that that's not how you wish it was. But I'm growing maturity in you. I'm growing my character and my fruit in you. And so it's worth it. But let me walk with you through these tough times. And sometimes, yes, What it means is that as God's presence 
is with me in my time of trouble, that sometimes He does do something miraculous. And the breakthrough does come. And the opportunity does come and we can attribute all glory and honor to God for all of those situations, all of the ways that He can meet us in our time of need and trouble. I just have to refer you back to those prayers that we looked at on the first slide. And so we need God's presence. Reminds me last year, some of you may remember that we went through the book of Exodus. And uh, just after God gave Moses and the Israelites the law, some of you may know that when Moses was still up on the mountain, they immediately broke the first two commandments and immediately got up to sexual revelry, immediately started worshiping foreign gods, immediately set up an idol. And so God is ticked. And he says, listen, guys, I'm going to give you everything that you need. I'm going to send you into the promised land. I'm going to defeat your enemies, but I'm not going to go with you anymore. And so Exodus 33 is a chapter I come to so many times in the year. When Moses says, listen, Lord, I know that you can give us the victory. I know that you can overcome our enemies. I know that you can give us the land. I know that you can fill your promises to us. But please do not do any of that unless you go with us. Listen, there are so many external ways that we can consciously or unconsciously measure the inverted commas, the success of a church. Some of those are good things and some of them are helpful in right proportion. But I never want to get us into a position where we are so measuring these external things, which can be good things and good gifts from our God. And God, for whatever reason, is saying, listen, guys, you've moved beyond where my presence is. So I want our heart cry as a church. Yes, during the course of this year, we're gonna ask God, we're gonna trust God. We're gonna come to Him with our needs. But man, oh man, if we can have the heart of Moses in this time, God, don't give us any of those things. Don't lead us one step forward unless your presence goes with us. That is what we covet. That is what we need. Your presence, our God. Let's read on verse eight and nine. Verse eight and nine, come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. I love this opening line. Come and see what the Lord has done. And these following verses just point to these massive things that God has done, these strong deeds and works of God. Now listen, Riverside, I hope that you know that Bianca and I and us as a leadership, we, we love Riverside. And by that, not just this idea, this thing on paper or a PowerPoint presentation. We love the people. We love our teams. We love our leaders. We love the people in this room, the people online. We deeply love Riverside. And there is a good way to love the church. The church, according to Jesus, is his bride. 
And so warts and all, we love the bride of Christ. But sometimes, whether it's the church or some other, you know, big ministry overseas, whatever the case might be, the church itself obscures our view of God. And so instead of saying, come and see what the Lord has done, come and see the awesome worship team. Now, I love and I believe in an awesome worship team. Or come and see the awesome preaching. Come and see the awesome pastor. Come and see the awesome kids ministry. And there's just a kind of a small space in our heart that can seem so subtle, but is truly universes apart. Where I want to ask us to pray. God, would you show us your strength? Would you do such things among us? It's not based on our power, our intellect, our strength, our abilities, our emotions. But God, it's just you, you, and only you. And so, yes, I do hope we have an awesome worship team and an awesome ministry and awesome preaching and so on and so forth. But when we go out to our neighbors and our families and our friends, we're saying, come and see what the Lord has done. I'm so hungry for that church. And I'm so desperate for that. And so as we enter this week of prayer and fasting, this is going to be the the content of our prayers, these seeds of dependence that we're going to sow, seeking these very things that we're talking about. And so I know this might be a weird time to talk about these things, but just so that we all are aware how we can all as a church participate on this. And so today we're kind of, you know, getting going with some inspiration from God's Word. We are going to have two evenings this coming week where we do a together church prayer meeting online. So uh, for those of you who have done Zoom, please just have your Zoom available. Uh, That's going to be on Monday at 7 for an hour and Thursday at 7 for an hour. And you can get all the details either on our website or the app or in our newsletter. And then Tuesday, we're going to have a prayer outline for us to do in our homes or with our families if we have families. On Wednesday, we're going to have just a prayer outline for us to do together as life groups And then Friday, here somewhere at Waterstone, we're going to be having an evening of worship and prayer. There's just such a beautiful connection between our prayer and our praises. So we want to practice that together on Friday night. And uh, just for those of you who are maybe bringing kids, there is childcare for kids uh, from age two to grade five during the prayer and the worship events, but please, you do need to RSVP. So either go into our website. If you're new here and you aren't part of our newsletter, scroll down at the beginning of our homepage and you'll see where you can sign up and then you'll get daily prompts. Uh, So either on our website or our newsletter or our app, you can RSVP so that we know how many leaders to organize for that. And then following Sunday, we're going to have our vision service, our normal service at 9.30, and then followed by the GRM. And just to kind of put it out there, as we all genuinely seek God's face, I trust that God is going to genuinely meet some of us, maybe more than some of us. And so next week's service, we also want to provide some space for us to share some testimonies of what God has been doing in our hearts and lives as we've sought His face and we've experienced Him as our ever-present help in our time of need.
So that's how we're going to be putting this into practice this coming week. But let's just, we've got a bit more to do in the psalm here, and we're going to read here from verse 10 to 11. And, and we're kind of hitting this high point of drama. Just sense the flow here. Lord, help. You are my refuge, my ever-present help in my time of trouble. What does God do? He gives us His presence. And then He shows us His strength so that you and I can say, come and see what the Lord has done. And in the middle of this climax, we get this verse that so many of us know well. And so let's read. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Once again, because I think Exodus is still so fresh in my mind that reminds me of the time after God has shown his strength to Egypt and to his people with the 10 plagues or the 10 strikes as we came to call them. And he released his people and they were finally set free from slavery to go and worship him in the desert. But the problem was they came face to face with the sea that could not cross. And then they heard a sound of Pharaoh's army behind them. Talk about being caught between a rock and a hard place. So they were so fearful, so angry at Moses. How could you lead us here? And so Moses comes to God and, and asks for him to be their refuge. And this is what God says to Moses, to the people. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. I learned something this week, and that is the Latin for the, and an anglicized version of the, of the Latin for those words, be still, is the word vacate. And this idea that when God is calling us to be still and know that He is God, we've cried out for help. He's promising His presence to us. He promises that He is going to show His strength so we can say, come and see what the Lord has done. And then He says, be still. In other words, just take a vacation from thinking you're God. Now, I know there's so many ways we can try and motivate us to pray, but that's become such a powerful motivator to me. Because even, you know, someone in so-called full-time ministry and, you know, this pastor, I'm so often deceived that things rise and fall based on me and what. I do, and even in prayers, like, well, I really hope that God is impressed with my prayer. I really hope He's impressed with how much time I'm putting into this prayer. And I still see prayer as this way of pushing my will uphill into God's space. And God's just saying, listen, I hear you, but take a vacation from that. Just be still. And know that I am God. And so what we're going to do as we kind of try and put this into practice this morning, we're going to do two things. And the first is we're going to take communion together. And following that, we're going to pray together in a unique way. And so thinking about communion, 
and the points that we've highlighted through the psalm today. As we think about how the Lord's table points towards the work of Christ on the cross. Talk about Jesus being our help, our ever-present help in our time of trouble. Just we just so unable to deal with our own sin, to deal with our own nonsense, to deal with the pain and the evil of this world, to deal with our enemy, to deal with death. What did Jesus do? He helps us, truly helps us. Talk about Jesus giving us his presence. He didn't just wave a wand. He entered our pain. He entered our world, our darkness, our sin and our death. And he became sin in our place. And talk about us being able to say, come and see what the Lord has done. So when we experience our salvation, when we experience just a renewed right relationship with God the Father, when we experience the blessing of His presence, when we just finally come to believe there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. My sins are forgiven. I've been restored to the Father. We're not pointing at ourselves or at a church, at a pastor. We're pointing to Jesus. Come and see what the Lord has done. And so that allows us to be still. So church, I want to invite us, just as we look at that verse on the screen, just the next one, the slide before that, please. Come and see what the Lord has done. We're going to come and we're going to pray and we're going to come and just take a piece of bread, just symbolizing the broken bread of uh, the broken body of Christ and some juice representing the shed blood of Jesus. Go back to our own seats. And let us just allow these words to become a prayer of our own hearts. And then in your own time, take communion and just hold on to the glass. I know sometimes we just want to put it back, but we're not quite done yet as a church. Come and see what the Lord has done. Father, we thank you that this is the invitation to us. As we quiet our hearts before you, as we recognize that you were our ever-present help in our time of trouble, as we recognize how tangibly you entered our dark world, how you showed your strength and your victory. So God, as we take this bread and this juice together, we say to our hearts and we look at you with glory and honor, come and see what the Lord has done. So church, let's eat and drink together. We're just going to remain in this attitude of worship and this engagement with God. And we trust that He is here by His Spirit. His presence is here. And as we think about these ideas that uh, Jesus is our refuge, that He is our help and our, our ever-present help in our time of trouble. And we need His presence and we need His strength. We need to be still. I want us to maybe try and, and hold two things together here. And the one is your life, your situation. Where you're just going, Lord, help. 
And maybe the Lord has been challenging you with regards to the posture of that cry. And God is calling you to trust Him. If He's going to help you, He's not just going to give you the answer. He's going to give you Himself. And so as we kind of take our expectations of what, of how we want God to answer our questions or our troubles, let's seek His presence. And ask God to do what only He can do and to give us what we need. But the discipline maybe for us right now is to shut up, to be still. And so as a church, this isn't something we we typically do. But what an opportunity for us to pray together. This is something that is taught to me by a friend of many of us in the church, Alexander Fenter. It's something that I pray regularly because I need it. And that is to pray that verse that we know so well, be still and know that I'm God. And we're going to emphasize, starting with the last word, each word. And allow that word just to focus our hearts and our minds. And so we're going to say, be still and know that I'm God. And be still and know that I am. And then be still and know that I am. But we're going to do this together. So guys, your chicken's going to be fine. Your lunch is going to be fine. Your kids are fine. Let's be still. So Lord, we come to you in our time of trouble. You are our ever-present help. We seek your presence. We seek what only you can do. We are available to you and your will and your ways. So we lay down, we unclench our fists. We lay down our control. And so help us, even in this moment, be still. Be still and know that I am God. That I'm sovereign over your trouble. That there is nothing you're going through that I haven't already defeated. Or that I'm confused by. My ways are above your ways. I'm God. Be still and know that I am. I am the God that is. I am the God that exists. I am the source of life and light and all good things. I am. No other God is. Be still and know that I am God. You have revealed yourself.
the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Your very name means you are. You are life. And you have revealed yourself in Jesus. Be still and know that I am God. That is who we look to. That is who we run to. and know. Father, how many of us know with our heads but our hearts just seem so detached from that truth? Or how many of us maybe even doubt with our minds or our hearts? It says we still ourselves before you. Help us know, to truly know, truly taste and see that the Lord is good. Help us know that you are God. Holy Spirit, help us know. Help us know in spirit and in truth. Help us know your love your power, your sovereignty, your presence. Be still. Our hearts are racing, God. Our attention is struggling just to slow down and meet you at the pace of your heartbeat. Help us be still. Between our fears, our busyness, our anxieties, our troubles, God, we breathe in your grace. Be still. we don't have to earn anything from you. Just like a mother loves that newborn baby. That baby hasn't got a single A plus. That baby hasn't won a single award. It hasn't learned to do anything for itself and yet it is so completely and utterly loved. 
just by being. And so Lord, help us be and receive your love and your grace and your presence in the stillness of this place just because we are and you are. We lay down every lie that says otherwise. Just be. still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. Holy Spirit, help us retain this space we've made for you. Your peace isn't limited to these four walls. As we heard earlier, your peace comes to us with your presence and your presence goes with us everywhere. God, I pray for those who are feeling so burdened by their troubles. And as we stand now before you with unclenched fists, just learning to be, learning to breathe, learning to rest, learning to lay down control of the universe of our own lives. If you just want to indicate in a very tangible but small way that that is you, I just want to ask you to raise your hand as you're seeking and maybe even still fighting to be still and know that God is God in your situation. Once you've raised your hand, you can put it down again. There's no magical transaction that happens here beside just being honest with our God. Lord, we choose to trust your promises, our ever-present help. God, would your presence, would you bless us? Would you gift us with a heightened awareness of your presence?
as we learn to be with you before we try and squeeze answers out of you. Yes, Lord, we do trust you with our needs and you know our needs. Just be with us, God. Be with us. We pray the same for us as a church. God, we need you. And we repent of trusting our own abilities, our own performances, even our own ability to do the right things and the good things. And we lay that down as we just be with you. Help us, God.